a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be talking with Rick Travis, Legislative Affairs Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association, about, well, a lot of the gun control bills. I don't know that we're going to have time to get through all of them, but a lot of the gun control bills that are uh, alive in the California legislature. There have been a couple that have been getting... Some uh, media attention, of course, uh, Gavin Newsom's attempt to rewrite the Constitution with a 28th Amendment, uh, enshrining things like waiting periods, gun bans for under 21s uh, into the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, that is now moving in the California legislature, uh, as well as the Bruin response bill, uh, SB2. But those are far from the only uh, threats to gun owners in Sacramento right now. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Before we do, Biden's America. Well, it's crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat next time you go to the grocery store. You'll see exactly what I mean. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. Truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call 855-412-3806 today. That's Gold Co. at 855-412-3806. And now let's uh, get to our conversation with Rick Travis from the Californian Rifle and Pistol Association. A lot of stuff going on at the state capitol in Sacramento that gun owners need to be aware of. Take a look and a listen. Rick, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's so good talking with you. Yeah, I love being on. I, I just wish there was better news to talk about. <laughs> Anytime we're talking about what's going on at the state capitol in California, uh, it's always a nightmare for gun owners. Um, and obviously, you know, there have been a couple of bills that have gotten some national attention uh, Newsom's attempt to rewrite the constitution with his uh, proposed 28th amendment that that's starting to make progress there uh the call for a constitutional convention we've got sb2 the bruin response bill um, i want to talk about both of those things but i want to also ask you what else are you watching right now in sacramento because i know that it's not just those two bills no it's not those two uh despite court rulings we've have uh a bill assembly bill 452 which is still trying to work on micro stamping which is a failed technology you know micro stamping is this idea that every time you use a semi-automatic firearm it's going to imprint something on the casing so they can track things of course the brady people along with giffords and others have made all sorts of fantastical claims of what this is going to do for crime even though the inventor says wait for it it doesn't work so um but that doesn't stop them uh, I think we may have a good chance of getting that bill killed before we get out of here in September. But uh, the other bill that's very egregious, and it's called the zombie bill, um, because we have now, this is year seven of fighting this bill in various forms. And it's an excise tax cam that they're trying to put on firearms, firearm parts, ammunition, and it will raise the tax 11 to 13%, depending on where you're at in California. And what they've tried to say is that, you know, by looking at the Pittman-Robertson dollars, that this is the same idea. Well, it's not for three major reasons. Pittman-Robertson was something that we as sports people said we wanted to do to preserve the future for 
sports hunting, fishing, et cetera. So we inflicted that tax on ourselves. What he has tried to do is recraft that narrative with inside the bill and say that was a penalty assessed against hunters for the mass damage we did across the country. And so this is a new twist we're starting to see Giffords and other people, because those are the ones that write these bills mm -hmm. and have these guys that they're trying to do is go through and take our history and alter it to fit their narrative. And so um, I spoke last night with about 18 members at a Congressional Sporting Caucus shoot saying, you can't let this get through. This has got to be ripped out of this thing. And I think we may have the votes to kill this a seventh time, but I fear we'll be back at it in January for round eight. <laughs> And well, and listen, we know the gun controllers. I mean, this is a perfect example of this. They don't give up. They don't go away. We can push them back one year and they're going to come right back the next. They'll twist their arguments. They'll try to rewrite history. They'll do whatever they need to do. Uh, the facts aren't important to them. What's important to them is that they win, right? That they put these laws on the books, that they go after uh, lawful gun owners, responsible gun owners, and they try to eradicate our right to keep their arms any way they can. And you can see this at the local level in California, too, right? I mean, I know CRPA is pushing back against these localities that are trying to charge four figures to get a concealed yeah. carry license uh, going after San Jose for their mandatory fee that gun owners have to pay every year and the insurance right. mandate. Uh, you know, this isn't just a case of nickel and diamond gun owners. No, uh, this, this is really just, you know, let's let, let's open up your wallet and just just take everything out inside and you decide what's more important to you. You've been able to put food on the table or you've been able to protect yourself and your family. And, and a lot of this has to do with our side has to get through their heads that and I say this all the time to our side. We have to be as diligent in fighting back. We have to be willing to say that if a bill or an act doesn't happen round one, it will be a round two, a round three and round four. But too often. Our committee tends to be, well, that didn't work. And they walk away. You can't in this fight because walking away is acquiescing to the opposition. Uh, another bill, though, it, that's really disturbing to me is we have a thing that, just like in every legislature called steady bills. And this seems to be a new uh, tool that the opposition is using. And so what they do is they come up with a steady bill, such as Assembly Bill 262, and they put a cute person's name on, a little girl named Roxy died about seven years ago in, a, in a, a swimming pool at a camp, which is tragic. None of us want that. So they come up with this and say, oh, now we need to regulate every aspect of a camp. Well, they couldn't get that through because you had the mountain bikers and the high ropes course people and everybody complaining. So they narrowed it down to, oh, wait, gun ranges at camps. And guess who's not there to tell them how to run a camp gun range who's been doing it for 150 years, us, the CRPA, know what they say is, oh, we want children's services, we want social services, we want consumer affairs who have nothing in that space to do it. And what this is, is nothing more than a backdoor to all ranges. Because as we all know, they're going to pick, cherry pick, the range thing that they want the most. And so you know, sometimes you might have a youth pheasant hunt, doesn't matter where you're on the country, and you just have a lot of volunteers. So what does that look like? Well, that's a ratio of sometimes two, three adults to every youth. The other times you might have a scout shoot and you might have one adult for every four to five youth. Well, they're not going to go with that. They're going to go with it's, you know, two to one. And then they're going to say, well, that has to be for everybody. Well, we don't have that kind of personnel in ranges anywhere in this country. Yeah. So that's another backdoor that they're trying to attempt.
Okay. And and you say this is a study bill, right? So they're they're right now they're purporting to study the issue. They they come up again with their preferred narrative and then they come back and say, okay, here's our other here's our follow-up bill to uh, to place these regulations. Yeah. And it'll probably be several bills because in a study bill they'll make sometimes 20, 30 recommendations, and those become low-hanging fruit for the far left to sit there and say, well, hey, we're just doing this because the study said we should do this. Yeah. And, and as you say, I mean, they could, they could expand this out to all ranges, but even if they were just to limit this to youth shooting, this would not be the first attack that we've seen. I mean, this is something that you at CPRA, uh, CRPA, have been documenting for years, the attempt to destroy our ability to pass on our yes. right to keep our arms and our tradition of gun ownership to the next generation, whether it's going after gun shows in the state of California, uh, you've got the, uh, what is it, uh, junior shooters uh, and the uh, in a Safari Club International lawsuits going after the marketing laws in California that they were so broadly written, Rick. I, you know, I want people to remember this, that when those laws that said, well, you can't market guns or, or firearms to youth, when those first came out, it was so broadly written and so broadly drafted that you had youth shooting sports uh, clubs and associations across the state of California saying, okay, we're done. We can't do this because if we have any sponsorship banners or anything like that, we well, could be violating the law. Well, it's still going on because as you remember, Cam, it's a $25,000 fine. Yeah. Person. So one of the problems was, you know, as a coach, if I sent something out to 50 kids, that's 50 times 25, not one time fee. So obviously everybody was doing exactly that. But it's still the case that we have, you know, California all the bashing we get from our brothers and the other states we produce some of the finest olympic shooters out of this state and what we're seeing now is many of the universities they want our youth because we have some incredible shooters but they can't approach those youth because that same bill 2571 prevents them so we have on on outside the state full ride scholarships that major universities in tennessee and Florida and other places want to offer California youth to come to the school and shoot for them, but they can't because they don't want to get those fines. They, that's I have I got to tell you, Rick. I mean, this is the first I've heard of this. So you're telling me that 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 law is written in a way that universities can't approach students in the state of California and say, "Hey, come, come shoot, go yeah. to school for free. We're going to give you that full ride scholarship uh, yeah, or the partial scholarship." Had, we've actually had kids going to compete in Nevada primarily in Nevada to try to meet with those universities because they can't do it here. That is, I, I, it's insane. Well, but... it's insane because it's not just that camp. It's when you look at the ammunition restrictions, you look at the ability that ammo companies can't advertise that, Hey, we help support, you know, this shotgun youth team or this rifle team. Well, then ammo companies are going to do it where they can get that advertising. And, you know, that's just the way the system works. So now you have kids that can't afford to do this. I'm working with a Catholic school, uh, a wonderful young lady that I'll do a shout out to named Lola, who came up and testified vigorously on this tax bill. And one of her comments is, hey, I have friends that can't shoot. I have friends that sit in wheelchairs that can shoot competitively because that's one of the beauties of shooting sports. You can do that and be competitive. She goes, but when their mom and dad are paying for all these medical expenses, they can't afford these additional taxes and additional restrictions. And she goes, and we're have to pay more for ammunition because we can't buy it in bulk from out of state. You know, and so this is impeding that next generation. And then when you look at what the Biden administration is trying to do with Hunter Education, I was working with some people there on that. 
you know, we have Hunter Ed after school programs that are looking like being closed down. It is a systematic destruction of the next generation. And again, California is, you know, ground zero for this uh, because right. of the, uh, the, the the longstanding hostility towards the right to keep our arms, the makeup of the uh, state legislature. Um, and, you know, listen, they're, they're not just going after the next generation. They're going after the current generation of gun owners, too. Yeah. Right. I mean, let, let's talk about SB2, uh, the uh, the ruin response bill. Um, there was a an appropriations analysis that came out uh, this week. And we wrote about it at Bearing Arms. This committee analysis found that there are going to be tens of millions of dollars in new costs, right, associated with SB2, um, both the, you know, increased costs of processing these uh, carry applications, as well as the, and they note the increased cost of litigation challenging uh, SB2. That's coming. Absolutely. Um, But there was also a little note in there that the Cal DOJ says that it won't be able to implement this law because of IT issues until 2027. Did you yeah. see that, Rick? Yeah. So let's talk about IT issues. So a lot of people forgot a nationwide that we were doxxed. Yeah. And why say we, the CCW holders. And a lot of the other people in the state said, well, that was just a one-off. It never happened. The attorney general treated it like a joke. Well, since then, the teacher's um, pension fund was doxxed. The California state employees was doxxed. And fish and game all the fishing license people were just doxxed. So yeah, our IT system is extremely porous. And so as a result, DOJ, and I've got to talk to some of the people in the DOJ, not the chief and the people that are evil at the top, but the they don't want this. They think it's it's wrong on multiple levels that would are agreeing with the rest of us that are watching this program. But they also said there's no way to do it. But there's another thing that didn't come out in that analysis that I really want to make a point. You know, you go back to the 1930s and prior to the Nazi party going after the Jewish people, they went after gypsies. And one of the first things they did was they said, hey, Cam, if you want to be against us, go ahead and put a sign out front that says the gypsies can frequent your business. Otherwise, the default position will be in this government. If there's not a sign welcoming, they can't come in. That's exactly what SB2 will create in California, that as a CCW carrier, I can't carry anywhere unless there's a sign posted allowing me to. Yeah. And that is dangerous, not just for us as concealed carry people and Second Amendment people, but that's just almost unthinkable for this to even be able to happen in America anywhere. You know, and unfortunately, we've seen that type of provision uh, in New York's Bruin response bill, New Jersey's Bruin response bill, Hawaii's Bruin response bill. The the good news is that the courts have already taken a dim view. I mean, for example, the Hawaii uh, uh, provision was already uh, enjoined in a temporary restraining order. Um, But, you know, again, that's not stopping the politicians in California, right? They've already seen the courts take a very negative view of this and they they don't give a damn. They're going to go ahead and try to put it in place there. You know, I, I forget who I was talking to about this. It might have been Chuck Michelle. Um, but I said, you know, it's the same thing. You see these signs when you go into businesses, no solicitation, right? right? The default is your First Amendment rights apply. If you don't want to have solicitors coming to your workplace or your place of business, then when you post a sign, you say you can't come in. Right. And I don't know of any, maybe there's some gun owners out there who say, well, I should be allowed to bring my gun and even the property owner doesn't want to. I, I, I don't agree with that. We have property rights. We have our individual right to keep our arms, but we as property owners also have our own property rights. But when we're talking about saying, hey, I don't want you exercising this particular individual right on my property, 
I think the default should be, yes, you have this right. And if I don't want you to exercise it, I'll post a sign to that effect. Correct. California's trying to flip the script here, right? And they're trying to say, you can't carry anywhere. Uh, Maybe if you show up in a business and you see, oh, guns are welcome. And then the next time you show up, you can have your concealed carry license with you. But uh, until then, there would be a crime for you to, in essence, exercise your right to bear arms in, in publicly accessible places. Correct. Huh. You've got that absolutely correct. All right. So so where is SB2 right now? Is it still in uh, appropriations? Yeah, it's right now. It's in what they call a suspense file. Um, what we feel is going to happen, it along with about 800 other bills across the board, are going to come out probably on the 31st of this month. And it will go to the governor's desk sometime the first week of September. He will, of course, sign it. And then the fight will begin in the courts. Yeah. All right. And, and you know, as, as for the um, his proposed 28th Amendment, um, you know, listen, this yes. is a resolution, right? So it's not like Gavin Newsom can call for this convention. This is, I think, mostly a there's PR effort a, on the part of Newsom. Oh, has there? Yeah. So one of the changes was he called it the 28th Amendment when he first announced it a few weeks back. He had to change that Monday because there's now a LGBTQ group that wants to run a gender change, 28th Amendment. So now he's calling it the uh, resolution for the right to safety to call for that convention. And if you'll realize, this is the same stuff he did when he brought Prop 63 to California back in 2016. It created so much havoc. He called that the safety for all act. So he loves to cling around this word safety to try to get it past people. But this right to safety, um, it's going to fly through probably next week. And then he tends to carry it on the road because people on both sides, I will tell you in California, he is the governor who says he's not running for president while he's running for <laughs> president. I think he's going to get a rude awakening when he goes across the country. But he has already said he wants to get everything signed in and finished up by October 1st because he intends to take the Senate resolution across the country. All right. So 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 what should gun owners in California be doing right now from a legislative standpoint? Uh, again, so many bills out there. Obviously, go to CRPA.org, sign up for the legislative alert so you can stay up to date. But uh, is there one particular yeah, piece of legislation they should be focusing on? Office. Go yeah. to the legislator's office physically and say no and let them see you because a lot of these people don't do it and then take pictures of you at the office and post those on social media. That gets their attention very quickly. All right. Well, listen, Rick, again, I appreciate the updates on uh, everything. I know we'll be uh, in touch again in the very near future because it sounds like things are heating up here. Uh, So you think after Labor Day, that's when things are really going to start moving, it sounds like, in Sacramento. Yep. All right. Well, that's the target for it. Now's a good time for gun owners. I mean, we don't need to take summer off. If the uh, lawmakers are, are, you know, kicking back and relaxing, now's our time to get engaged and involved. Uh, and again, CRPA.org, that's the website. Rick Travis, thank you for everything you're doing there in Sacramento and around the state. And look forward to talking to you again here very soon. All right. You take care, Cam. Thank you very much. Thank you to Rick for joining us on the program. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking with the uh, folks from CRP again in the very near future, as well as uh, covering what's going on at the state capitol at bearingarms.com. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. Not not quite our normal recidivist report, but this one just too uh terrible to ignore, honestly, from the website CWB Chicago. Chicago cops watch armed robbery in progress but supervisor orders them not 
to chase the criminals. At least 11 people robbed in an overnight spree. This is not the first time that CBB Chicago has recently reported on uh, cops being told to back off of armed robbers. There is a pursuit policy in the uh, Chicago Police Department that makes officers legally liable uh, if they choose to initiate a pursuit, uh, even when they're not ordered off, but uh, uh, far too often, it seems like. Supervisors are telling police, even when they see suspect vehicles, or in this case, an armed robbery taking place, and still telling the uh, officers in question, hey, don't pursue the offenders. Uh, as CWB Chicago reports, this blood-boiling decision should raise questions about the legitimacy of claims made by public officials that the Chicago Police Department has a concrete, collaborative, and robust plan to end a months-long surge in armed robberies. This particular spree started around 2.15 in the morning. A man and a woman told police that two armed men got out of a gray SUV and robbed him at gunpoint. Cops later determined that the getaway car was a Dodge Durango that had been stolen earlier in the week. About 10 minutes later, Another robbery occurs not far away. Surveillance camera operator in the local police district uh, sees the Durango traveling in the area. They watch the Durango on video. Officers say they were watching them commit another robbery on surveillance video in the 6500 block of Northwestern. One officer radioed, I can see them right now. They've got long guns. There's a unit on scene. According to CBB Chicago, a squad car pulled up on the scene as the robbery was unfolding. That uh, patrol unit then tried to pull the Durango over. Officers said four men were inside the SUV with their faces covered. At least one long gun reported inside that vehicle. But according to CWB Chicago, quote, not long after the unit started to chase the SUV loaded with armed masked men who had just robbed someone as Chicago police officers watched, a Chicago police department sergeant ordered the squad car to terminate their efforts to stop the Durango. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm flummoxed by this. As CBB Chicago writes, Chicago's paid out tens of millions of dollars for lives lost and injuries caused by pursuits that ended with crashes. The department's written policy explicitly states that no officer will ever be punished for not chasing a suspect. And supervisors in the police department have become so skittish, the website writes, about the possibility of something going wrong that they've either even ordered cops to stop pursuing a car suspected of carrying wanted murderers. Yeah. As uh, CBB Chicago goes on to say, of course, there's a trade-off. When the city discourages pursuits to save money and reduce the possibility of injury to third parties, the trade-off is that armed violent people are not apprehended and they continue to commit more crimes, which was the case here. About 20 minutes after cops were ordered to let the Durango go, four people were robbed at gunpoint by a group of men who got out of a dark gray SUV, possibly a Dodge Durango, according to a CPD spokesperson. Uh, Then just before 4 a.m., Another robbery occurred. A 31-year-old man walking in a black sedan stopped. Four men got out while displaying firearms. Different uh, car, perhaps, but uh, maybe the same crew. Uh, minutes later, Chicago cops spotted the Durango again, this time in Wicker Park. Officers radio that believed they interrupted the crew as they were trying to commit another robbery. Those officers then followed the Durango for a short distance, but didn't try to pull him over. And then another string of robberies started around 4.45 a.m. This time, six masked men wearing dark hoodies armed with multiple weapons, including at least one rifle. Uh, This time, they were in a gray Infinity sedan that had also been stolen earlier in the week, less than a mile from where the Durango was stolen. And according according to CWB Chicago, first they robbed a tourist in the loop. Four men armed with guns took her phone, wallet, keys, drove away in the Infinity, then came back and forced her to reveal her PIN number. That's right. They're actually bold enough to go back to the victim that they had just robbed, because why not? 
Throughout the course of this evening, officers had run into this crew on multiple occasions and had done nothing. Uh, one or two more robberies reported in 911 around 530 in the morning, but uh, the first district had no officers available to handle the calls, which sat unassigned for over an hour. When an officer finally became available to respond, the victims were gone. Uh, 5.30 in the morning, uh, another group of robbers, perhaps the same one, pistol whipping and robbing a woman in the 1700 block of West Chicago Avenue, fleeing in a stolen Infiniti sedan. Uh, at least one, again, had a rifle, all of them wearing masks. Chicago police found the Durango abandoned about 8.15 Wednesday morning. Uh, no arrests have been announced, but CBB Chicago says in some potentially good news, an interagency task force arrested two people on Wednesday after they pursued a stolen Hyundai Tucson that had been used in at least one robbery attempt on Tuesday afternoon. Again, not believed to be the same crew that engaged in the uh, string of armed robberies uh, earlier this week. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I would say I'm stunned by this, but I'm not. This is, again, not the first time that we've heard about something like this happening. Uh, and apparently, not only does Chicago suffer from a lack of officers, if you've got robberies that can't be responded to because there are no officers available, but they've got a policy that is empowering violent criminals to get away with their crimes. It's hard to have a fear of consequences when police are being told not to pursue suspects that they have seen with their own eyes committing armed robberies. And that, unfortunately, is the state of law enforcement in the Windy City. Now, today's armed citizen story from Arizona, south of uh, Tucson, a uh, a tiny town called uh, Three Points, where an alleged intruder was killed by a woman back on August 11th. Uh, That individual announced by uh, the Pima County authorities as a registered sex offender out of Utah. He also had quite the lengthy criminal history in Pima County, dating back to at least 2006. 43-year-old Jason Magrum was shot as he was trying to break into a home in three points. The uh, woman who was home alone when the uh, incident unfolded told deputies that she first uh, tried to verbally warn Magrum away. That didn't work. So then she grabbed her gun. She fired a uh, warning shot, apparently through the window. That did not stop Magrum from uh, trying to come inside. Police say that he uh, actually accosted the woman, tried to wrestle the gun away with her, or wrestle the gun away from her when he uh, when she fired a second time, this time striking Magrum. Our deputies responding to the scene tried to revive him, but he uh, was pronounced dead there at the uh, scene. According to authorities... Uh, Magram's arrest record in Pima County dates back to at least 2006, at least eight charges, among the multiple charges of threatening or intimidation, disorderly conduct, as well as assault. Uh, most recently, a case filed in Pima County in January says that Magram was accused to, of threatening to cause damage to the property of another. Also, a registered sex offender in Utah, according to the Arizona Department of Public Safety. Um, Right now, again, this looks like a clear-cut case of self-defense. The woman in question has not been arrested, is not currently facing any charges. And based on the uh, woman's account, as well as the uh, evidence, again, it sounds like this was uh, more than justified. Here you got an individual with a violent criminal history trying to break into someone's home. She tries to de-escalate the situation, tries to warm him away, and uh, is unsuccessful at doing so. Only, again, after he uh, tries to go for her gun, is he shot? We'll keep our eyes open for any more uh, details or updates to this story. But uh, right now, I'm going to call this one a, a clear-cut case of self-defense.
Finally today, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a couple of off-duty EMTs and uh, some off-duty police officers in Tom River, Tom's River, New Jersey, who saved a heart attack victim at a gym where they were all working out. Uh, this was, again, some scary moments here. It's shortly before 4 p.m. Sunday afternoon. Tom's River Police uh, sent to L.A. Fitness for a report of medical emergency. When they arrived, uh, they actually found some off-duty emergency workers uh, already on the scene. Two off-duty EMTs, Dylan Tortorelli and Josh Minnick, were working out at the time. Uh, and by the time officers arrived, they were performing CPR on the victims, uh, or victim rather. Two other off-duty uh, Tom's River police officers, Alex Van Lue and Charles Granger, both of them also in the uh, gym at the time of the incident, used an automated, automated external defibrillator to help revive the man. Patient uh, did have a pulse. He was revived. Uh, emergency crews transported him to local hospital for, th- for, for uh, further treatment, where he was later released. What's amazing is uh, Tortorelli uh, sworn in as a full-time police officer with the Neptune Township Police Department just a week ago. He's also an EMT with the Manchester Township. Minnick, a volunteer with the Point Pleasant Beach First Aid Squad, is also a Seaside Heights Beach Patrol lifeguard and EMT. And again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a man who suffered a heart attack, providing that critical aid in the moments after that cardiac arrest had occurred, uh, reviving him, and again, giving him a second chance at life. So we thank those individuals for their very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. But I want to thank you for being a part of the program this week. I'm looking forward to being back with you on Monday. And, of course, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com. Between now and then, we've got you covered on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. If you like what you see... I'd also encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member. All you have to do, go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP or VIP Gold membership. As our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. New stories and analysis that matter, just like your support. So thank you again. All right. Have a great couple of days. We'll see you back here soon. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.